Well, what a blessing to be in this place this morning. Turn, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 13. I thought this might be the graduating class here uh, of Hebrews. We've been in there for a while now, a couple of years. <laughs> uh, maybe not that long. <laughs> uh, but it's not. We're not going to be able to get through everything today. You cannot physically sit that long and I cannot physically stand that long so we'll split this thing up we'll we'll hit a uh, ending after this but today as we think about what we have in Christ Jesus what do we have beginning in Hebrews chapter 13 verse 8 through 16 would you stand please in honor of God's holy inspired inerrant all-sufficient word the Bible says beginning in verse 8 Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever be not carried about with divers and strange doctrines. For it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. We have an altar whereof they have no right to eat which serve the tabernacle. For the bodies of those beasts whose blood is bought, brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned without the camp. Wherefore Jesus also that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Let us go forth therefore unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. For here we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. Father, thank you this morning. Just the joy to be in this house. The joys we celebrate, Brother Aaron, his family. Lord, thank you so much. Oh, I, I pray, dear God, you'd build a hedge of protection around them. Keep them clean and pure and safe. I know the devil would love to destroy any home in this place today. But I pray, God, there'll be parents, mamas and daddies and granddaddies and grandmamas that'll say, not on my watch. Oh, that we could pray. And, and Lord, just encourage our children and grandchildren. And Lord, today... Would you just speak, Lord, uh, through your Holy Spirit? Uh, hide me behind your cross, oh God. Uh, the truth is I'm not even fit to even be in this place. But, oh God, you are. and we, we, we exalt you and praise you today. We love you. Speak to our hearts, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Today we're studying, and of course as we've gone through Hebrews, it's, like a tug of war they're under an old system and they're going to a new system the old system uh, and the new system are not equal the old system and the new system the new system is not less than the old system the old system is here and the new system is far greater than all and uh, they're, they're, they're moving from the old system up to the new covenant and as they move there they were leaving the shadows to go for the substance. They were leaving the tradition to go for the truth, the picture for the person. They were leaving the works to go for the works of Jesus Christ. Some of them had heard the gospel preached and they had been saved and joined local assemblies. Some of them had heard the gospel preached and they had never made commitments. Some of them had heard the gospel preached and outright rejected the gospel. But those who had been saved, they were wondering, did I make the right decision? 
I mean, their families abandoned them, their friends opposed them, their foes were hounding them. And they're wondering, uh, we, we, we for so many years had the laws and so many years had the tradition, so many years had the ordinances and the sacrifices. Now somebody's told us about Jesus in a new way. And, and, and why, why don't everybody come to Jesus? Why does not my family understand? Why is everybody persecuting me? Why, why don't people gather around? Just think what it would be like next month as we celebrate Thanksgiving. But you couldn't celebrate it because you're not welcome in your own home. These folk were facing that. And there was a tug of war going on. And the writer of Hebrews, every time your family disowns you, every time your friends come against you in opposition, every time the devil sits on your shoulder and tries to tempt you, discourage you, frustrate you, the writer of Hebrews is saying you made the right decision. Coming to Christ was the right decision. Could I tell you that today too? That every time folk laugh at you or mock you, you say, they don't, I haven't ever had nobody, not to your face maybe. But this world thinks all y'all are crazy. You don't believe that. You just be a tither and go to a CPA and they'll tell you, why are you giving so much money to the church? Huh? I mean, you know, this world thinks we're crazy. But I'm telling you, every time the devil sits on our shoulder and says, hey, you messed this up. You're a sinner. You don't have any business doing this. We made the right decision. Coming to Jesus was the right decision. So what do we have in Jesus? Number one, first of all, we have a helper in all the trials of life. That's what the scripture says in verse 6. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. That's a wonderful passage. That's a good passage for any child of God. Now, I want to tell you right now, I'm not looking to get on a bus in the next five minutes and go to heaven unless we all go together. I, I'm not going to lie to you. I enjoy my wife. I enjoy my family. I enjoy my home. I enjoy my life. I mean, I'm 70 years old. People say, I wish I was 30 again. I don't wish I was 30 again. <laughs> Buddy, I done paid them dues. I guarantee you. <laughs> ah, Lord, have mercy. Uh, and I, I, I'm not saying I want to go right now, but I am saying that if something does happen and you're a child of God, to be absent in his body is to be present with the Lord. So you're going to give it about one second thought. But I sure would hate to leave. Boom, you're sitting at the feet of Jesus worshiping him. You're not going to worry about this mess down here anymore. It ain't going to make you any difference what the missiles are or how many we got and how many they got and who got them all. Uh, any person, anywhere, anytime can say the Lord is my helper. You're a child of God. He's your helper. Not just in the good times, but in the bad times also. You say, preacher, I'm going through some things. Not by yourself, you're not. Not if you're saved. Say, preacher, there's some crazy things going on in the world. You've got a book here to outline what we need to be living. You say, well, I'm having a hard time in my marriage. If you'll trust the Holy Ghost of God, he'll take care of your marriage. We've got a helper. But we not only have a helper, we've got a deliverer. A present deliverer and an eternal deliverer. <clears throat> Verse 8 
says Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's never changed. He's not going to change in this life here on earth. He's always been Jesus. Wherever they found him, they found a loving Savior who came down from heaven to show us the way to have eternal life with the Father. The Bible says in John 3 that he came to seek and to save the lost. The Bible says that it's his will none perish. The Bible says he came to call sinners to repentance and live holy lives. He, call, he came down to this earth to tell the woman taken in sin, go and sin no more. He came to this earth to tell the publican who had stolen money, give that back, sin no more. He came to, uh, to sit down with publicans and sinners. They were attracted to Jesus. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You tell me why we who are filled with the Holy Spirit of God can't attract sinners. And I'll tell you why. Because we're not living with the mind of Christ. Jesus didn't come to bring doom. He came to bring joy. Jesus didn't come to condemn. He came to save. That's what people need today. They don't need... Listen, I mean, you may not be the brightest the sharpest knife in the drawer, but most of y'all know right from wrong. You don't need somebody hammering that. What you need somebody that'll sit down with you and say, hey, let's pray about this. Let's see if God can't bring this together. Let's see if we can't make something from He's our deliverer. That word Savior there means deliverer. That's his business, to deliver us from the from, from our bodies and from our souls. It's the same Jesus that walked. I, I've told you this before, but the first time I went to the Holy Land, and incidentally, my trip to the Holy Land in November has been postponed. I don't understand why, but... <laughs> if you can get into Israel without getting shot down, it's the safest place on the face of the earth, uh, if you can get in there without getting shot down. But anyway... My first time to go to the Holy Land, I thought, you know, this is terrible. This is terrible. I mean, I, I was out there on the Sea of Galilee, and the old boy says, right over there, right over there is where they caught the fish with the coin in his mouth. I thought, who believes this junk? <laughs> this is the tomb where John the Baptist uh, stood, and this is the tomb where Lazarus came out. They don't know any of that stuff. And I, I tell you, I thought, man, I done thrown my money away. And then I woke up one morning on the Sea of Galilee. Got up and went for an early walk and watched the sun come up. And I thought, you know what? Ain't nobody moved this sea. I'm telling you, Jesus walked right here. Woo, I had a fit. Yeah, I walked where Jesus walked. I sang about it in college. I didn't know I'd actually get to do it. Hey, that's what he's saying here. Jesus is not only for the old covenant he's for now but he's not only for now he's for all of eternity and then quickly we, we've got an altar hebrews chapter 13 verse 10 the bible says we have an altar whereof they have no right to eat which serve the tabernacle now here's what he's saying here if you're still under the old covenant and you're still serving the tabernacle you don't have any authority or any right to sit at the table of the lord you're not going to be saved. That's what he's saying. If you want to sit at the table of the Lord, you want to see eternal life in heaven, you better get saved. You better get prepared. 
That's what he's saying here. They have no right to eat, which served the tabernacle. Now, there was a golden altar, and there was a brazen altar, and then there was the Ark of the Covenant there. And they would take a blood sacrifice, and the high priest would go in once a year, and, and he would offer that sacrifice on the altar there, and the, the wings of the dove and all this stuff. It, you know, we don't have time to go into all that there, but, 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 the, but the, the Jews were still hung up on these altars. They were still hung up on the rituals and the ordinances and all of the traditions and practices. They wouldn't let them go. They believed that you had to eat these meats and keep these laws to go to heaven. That's what they're saying. The rituals, the laws, the practices, they could never understand, and humanity won't understand. They could never understand how they could please God if they weren't working to please God. That's a work salvation, folks. We don't work to please God or to be saved. We work because we are saved. And it brings us joy to do that. In the New Covenant, they said, well, we don't have an altar anymore. You're taking the altar away. No, no, I mean, we still got physical altars, but their altar was taken away and it was placed, replaced by someone named Jesus. They don't have the physical altar anymore. You don't have to bring the animals and sacrifice them anymore. They've got Jesus. We've got Jesus. Man, that ought to make a backslidden Baptist shout. We, we didn't have to put on no rubber gloves and kill nobody before we got here or anything. We didn't have to bring those sacrifices. We didn't have to get ready to go outside the city to burn the sacrifice. Because Jesus fulfills the law. Somebody more special than a physical altar. You see, in the Old Testament, it was a type of Christ. It was a type. But Jesus is not the type. Jesus is the anti-type. And what that means is the type was a symbol or a shadow of what the real type was. Jesus is the real type. So he, he's not a shadow. Everything in the Old Covenant pointed toward Christ in the New Covenant. So he's not a type anymore. Every sacrifice, every law, every ritual, every offering was a type. But when someone came named Jesus, you didn't need those anymore. See, Jesus did what a ritual never could do. Jesus did what an animal never could do. Jesus did what a sacrifice never could do. You see, what changes your life, like in verse 9, be not carried about with divers and strange doctrines, for it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace. Uh, we got some idiots running around today saying, oh, you don't invite Jesus into your heart. Well, how do you get grace in your heart when Jesus comes in? Come on, folks, wake up. Huh? Man, I, I want to tell you, we're living in some crazy days. And we need to be sure we're studying the Word of God and we know exactly what he's saying there. Don't you be fooled by these people that think you're automatically going to hell. God's given you a, a highway to get out of hell and go to heaven. And it's his will, none perish, but all come to life. That's what the Word of God says. Is there no altar? Where is our altar? We have an altar. But it's found in Jesus Christ. Now here's the thing. They had to kill the animal 
drain the blood for the offering. And then they would eat the meat. The priest in the tabernacle would eat the meat as uh, sustaining to, to help them live. <laughs> when you get to Jesus, you don't have to have two of those altars and rituals. Jesus, his blood shed on Calvary, paid our price. But also, Jesus sustains us. He gives us living bread to eat every day. He's got it right here in the Word of God. We, we, we get nourishment from the Word of God. He's talking spiritual here. I got to hurry. The next thing we have is complete atonement for the blood for our sins. Uh, the animal was killed. Verse 12 says, Wherefore Jesus also that he might sanctify the people with his own blood suffered without the gate. The animal was killed. The blood was spilled. You take the animal outside, outside the city. The sacrifice was made in the camp, but the burning of the animal was made outside of the camp. Jesus came preaching grace. Hallelujah. It made him to be sin for us, born of the flesh, born of a virgin. Had a lady just this week say, Preacher, could you answer me something? I, oh, oh, Lord. This is, one of them, this is one of them Ronnie Jones questions when I say, Call Ronnie Jones. Uh, but anyway, uh, she, she asked this sincerely. Does the virgin birth really make any difference? I mean, we're fighting over that, but does that make any difference? Oh, listen, it makes all the difference in the world. See, if he'd not been born of a virgin, he would have had the sin of man. You and I have that same sin. But I want to tell you, God supernaturally put that baby in the womb of Mary. It, he was born of a virgin. That meant he had no sin. That's why he could be the sacrifice for our sins. Man, I was Pentecostal. Somebody done been running in here. I guarantee you, when you, you start talking about the Lord being the sacrifice for our sins, have mercy. 1 Peter 1 says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. You can't be saved by working your way to heaven. You can't be saved by going through the baptistry. You can't be saved by joining the church. You can't be saved by doing good works. You can only be saved when you're washed in the blood of the Lamb. And that's the only way you can be saved. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. No one comes to the Father but by me. He was sanctified. Because that, he sanctified us. But he also suffered. Not only sanctified, he suffered. Isaiah said he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. That crown of thorns he wore that day, that was for us. The, the, those cat of nine tails that were wrapped on his back, that was for us. The, the punching, the slapping, the plucking of the beard, the ridicule, the pain. Isaiah said, who can believe the report? The nails in his hands, the nails in his feet, the, 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 the stripping him naked and standing up on a cross between two thieves. All of that was for us. But he wasn't crucified in town. The Bible says he went without the city. He went outside the city. Mm. You see, <laughs> the Bible says he came to his own and his own received him not. They wouldn't even receive him. They were hollering to release a murderer instead of release Jesus. Crucified outside the gate. Crucified bearing the shame. The prior system involved the law, but
but the present system involved Jesus. And to save us from the nonsense of the Jews and all of this religious corruption, he stepped outside the gate. I believe he stepped outside the gate for a couple of reasons. Number one, it was prophecy, so it, he, he had to do it. Number two, I think he stepped outside the gate because he wanted to know, didn't nobody in the religious system have anything to do with him saving mankind? He did it his own self. He paid it all. All to him I owe. Hebrews in verse 12 and 13 right there say, Wherefore Jesus also that he might sanctify the people with his own blood suffered without the gate. Let us go forth therefore unto him without the camp bearing his reproach. What happened when Jesus went outside the gate? Well, he bore reproach. They laughed at him. They ridiculed him. They mocked him. You say, well, I, I, I you know, well, let me, I, I want to be straight, but I don't want to be mean. <laughs> Anytime you stand up for Jesus, you get ready because somebody's going to oppose you. Somebody doesn't like it. They're not going to like it. You say, preacher, I want to serve God, but I, I, I don't want to be laughed at. I want to serve God, but I don't want people to talk about me. I, I want to go soul winning and visiting, but I don't want nobody to slam a door in my face. I want to be saved, but I still want my family to own me. I want to be saved, but I want my friends to like me. I still want the world to embrace me. And I want to tell you, let me just ask you a question. If Jesus had to go outside the gate for his salvation to sanctify and suffer for us, what makes you think you can stay in the camp? Let me tell you, there's going to have to come up where you cut it off, where the things of this world doesn't mean anything to you anymore. You see, we're sanctified by the blood of Jesus. It's the blood that does it. It's not our actions. Our actions can't save us. The words we say can't save us. It's the blood of Jesus. It's the blood that covers our sins. It's the blood that enables God to forgive us. It's the blood that pays the price of justice. It's the blood that satisfied the demands of God's holy law that we've broken. The precious blood of Jesus. Boy, if we could get a hold of that fact, that I didn't have anything to do with getting saved. It was the blood of Jesus covered my sins. We could really understand better about I couldn't do anything to lose it because I didn't do anything to get it. It's the blood. It's the blood. Now, if somebody can steal the blood, but it ain't going to happen. Let me give you the last thing, and I'm through. We have a city. He said in verse 14, here the Jews are. They're beginning tug of war back and forth. Man, did we do the right thing? We had a city. We had an altar. We had a all these rituals, we had all these ordinances, we had all these traditions we've gone through, and now we don't have, the altar's gone, and the traditions are gone, and the rituals are gone, and now you're telling us we gotta go outside the city. We don't even have a city anymore. But the writer of Hebrews, he said, you may not have one here, but we're looking for one. And the one we're looking for, man didn't build. He, <laughs> the one we're looking for, everybody holding on to gold today. Gold. 
Her gold is where it's at. Man, be sure you got gold. Bring her on up to the church and leave it here in the safe. I'll take care of it for you. Gold. You realize that when we get to heaven, we're going to be using that as asphalt. It's going to be on the streets. We're going to be walking on it. My soul, all the cities of the earth are going to die. Nineveh, gone. Babylon, gone. I mean, many of the cities that have a lot to do with history in the Word of God, they're, they're gone. They're piles of rocks. It's rubble. But oh, that city. Mm -mm. The holy city of God coming down, the new Jerusalem. Man, have mercy. We're going to live there for eternity. We're going to live there for eternity. Margaret Sangster Fiffin wrote this in her mid, uh, in the mid-1950s. Her father was a British minister, W.E. Sangster, wrote a lot of hymns and different things, and a great preacher. And he began to notice some uneasiness in his throat, and he kind of was dragging his leg a little bit. And He went to the doctor and found out he had an incurable disease caused progressive muscular atrophy, and his muscles would gradually just fade away, waste away. His voice would fail. His throat would soon become unable to swallow. He threw himself into his work there in his home, doing missions and figuring he could still write and he'd still have even more time for prayer. His prayer was, let me stay in the struggle, Lord. Please, let me stay in the struggle. He said, I don't mind if I can no longer be a general but just give me a regiment to lead. He wrote articles and books and helped organize prayer sales all throughout England. And he said this, he said, I'm only in the kindergarten of suffering. People would come by and pity him and he would say, don't pity me. Gradually, his legs became useless, his voice went completely, but he could still hold a pen. He shook as he held the pen. And on Easter morning, just a few weeks before he died, he wrote a letter to his daughter, and this is what he said. It is a terrible thing to wake up on Easter morning and have no voice to shout, He is risen. But it would still be more terrible to have a voice and not want to shout. We've got a voice. We need to be shouting the praises of God. I don't know where you're at in your life but I do know this you need help you've got a helper I think there's a song about that Waymaker Chain Break we could sing here all day maybe you need a deliverer somebody who will deliver you from where you are now and get you ready to meet a holy God that's, that's Jesus he's the only one that can do that maybe this morning you need a church home Hey, don't, don't, don't rumble around from church to church. If God, put your hand to the plow. These are last days, folk, that we're living in. If you was ever going to do anything for God, this ought to be the time you get ready and do it. Maybe today you just need to come to the altar. I, I don't know where you are, what you're doing, but I do know that one of these days, we're going to hear the trumpet sound. We're going to be caught up to meet him. And those will ever be with him forevermore. And I, ju I just pray, God, don't let anybody in under my sound just 
blast that off and slough that off because it's the most important decision you'll ever make in your life. Father, we thank you this morning. Thank you for the joy that you give us. Thank you for the word of God that's so precious to us. Thank you, Lord, for your open invitation that men can come and still invite you into their heart and life and soul. Grace can be in their hearts. Lord, would you have your way in these next few moments, whatever you want to do. Lord, I know I, I'm talking to people that have been through a whole lot, and they still claim in the name of Jesus. Don't know how they got through it without Jesus. Lord, continue to deal with each one of us. Have your way in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray this morning. Amen. Would you stand together? Brother Aaron leads us in this invitation. Come on.